Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Thank you very much for joining us today. I'd like to thank our sponsor, uh, that would be me, uh, Patrick O'Rourke, uh, speaker. And uh, you can find me at patrickorourke.me, also the founder and CEO of Practice Quotient, PPO analysis and negotiation Stra- strategic guidance. Um, I'd also like to thank uh, the Reverend John Ray for helping keep everything on track today. Not that I need it. Um, and I would, I am thrilled to present one of my favorite people in the world, the Teresa Duncan. How are you, Teresa? I'm doing very well. And it's so nice to be back on here and back at you about favorite people. I've been looking forward to this for a little bit. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you are like one of our inaugural guests, if not the inaugural guest I of was Dental the, Business Radio. You I was were the inaugural guest, yes. So if yeah. there's ever like a dental podcast hall of fame, we'll have to get it like a statuette. Ooh, of, I like that. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, you know where I'm gonna put it? I'm gonna put it into my son's bedroom because he needs to know how awesome his parents are. You know how hard it is to convince a 20-some year old of how awesome his parents are. I don't know how how hard that is. I can tell you how hard it is 12 year old. <laughs> Of y'all, definitely. Um, you roll your eyes at me one more time, boy. You're not gonna have eyes in your head. <laughs> yeah, I went through that too. It doesn't go away, really, honestly. So I'm glad you're nipping that in the bud. <clears throat> well, we'll see. Mm. You know, I, I coach basketball, and my whole plan for the last several months is I, I need to get in shape because they are getting taller and bigger and stronger every mm-hmm. single year. And uh, I am trending in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's you know. age, right? I know. I'm, I feel the same way. I have the same uphill battle. And uh, I remember the day that my son got taller than my husband. It was a dark day in the house when my husband realized <laughs> the difference. <laughs> it's a dark day. <laughs> well, I told my son, I said, I don't care how big you are. If you ever try it, I got daddy strength. I know, right? They underestimate the dad strength. So, mm. but yeah, you know, I'm telling you though, it is. It's a. It goes so fast, though. It really just goes fast. You know, they said that to me when I was still working at Humana, and I was like slam busy, and I'm like, I sure hope so. I'd like to get some sleep some some point, you know, before <laughs> I die. And then next thing you know, they're hopping on the bus to the kindergarten. It's it's so true. Um, mm-hmm. so I really have made a conscious effort, certainly within the past several years. Um, that's what I do. I hang out with my kids, even if it's watching something silly, um, yeah. or doing whatever it is that they want to do. Um, you know, that's my hobby, if you will. You know, it's uh, I own my own business and. Uh, talk about dental insurance a lot which makes me hit with all the neighborhood kids um, <laughs> yeah you know what also is very slow what's that hold times for insurance companies very hold times. slow hold times hold times not old times patient oh. hold times the phone phone hold times i need patients when i call the old folks at the insurance <laughs> companies I'm, I, I I don't like, I'm really not even sure there are old folks i don't know if there's any folks at all i think they're having the same Hiring issues that we're having in dentistry. Well, so here's the thing, Teresa, is 
it sounds, I know it sounds super glamorous to work at a dental insurance call center, <laughs> you know, it, it does. And people think that it's, it's all glitz and limousines and champagne and daydreams. I can tell you I've been there and not so much. So, you know, you're in a cubicle and you're, you're not taking calls from folks that are like, Hey, great job. Had a boy. Um, thanks for you paying know, the claim on time. That's an excellent point, honestly, because the, the amount of <laughs> dissatisfaction with the whole process, the whole conversation from the, from the rep's point of view has got to just be like putting on a suit of armor every day when you, when you answer the phone. And, and I can't imagine that someone is going to do that long-term, which is, which is not cool for us because we get new people all the time. Right. So, and this comes directly from experience, Teresa. So that's how mm-hmm. I got my start in the insurance business was at a little tiny call center. And then I ended up, you know, running it and getting it bigger. And so, you know, your average tenure of a rep probably in good times is about 18 months. We got ours up to about 24, 28, had a really good team. So I was proud of that at the time back then. Uh, these days, I, I feel like whoever you're talking to was working at Burger King three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. With all due respect to Burger King, obviously, they train their people well. Um, but it, if one more client says to me, oh, well, you know, I, I called up Cigna and I talked to Jojo Bobo and mm-hmm. Jojo said, it, I'm like, I don't care what Jojo says. Hey, well, Jojo, Jojo, just, reading the script. And you can ask, you know, well, what does the chicken that's... Re- growing in the background. What does the chicken have to say about this? And what does the goat have to say? Cause that's what I hear on calls. And that's what I hear from people is, you know, I'll say <laughs> I just, it's, uh, finally it's, clicked. it's funny because in, in my classes, like, you know, you have to, you have to liven up an insurance class, Patrick, you know, this, right? Like you can't what? just, yeah, you have to crack some jokes or else people are like on the floor, like literally on the floor <laughs> sleeping. Not laughing, sleeping. So so one of the jokes that I tell is, you know, have you heard the chickens? Like, have you heard the chickens on the call? And everybody starts laughing because it's a shared experience. And then I do this silence of the lamps things. We're like, have you heard the chickens, Clarice? Have you heard the chickens? <laughs> and only like half the audience gets it because the other half have, were born like yesterday. <laughs> right. Right. So, but it it's a real, it's a real uniting common theme is everybody has heard the chickens. <laughs> And, and, you know, honestly, I, I swear, Patrick, I really thought when I called and got that, I was like, okay, there's one, there's one rep out there working from home or down in the islands and, and they have a chicken. And the second time I was like, do they all have a chicken? Like, is that like part of the welcome onboarding process? Here's your chicken. Like, <laughs> so. You used to get a mouse pad. Now you get a chicken. Chicken in the right. background. It's so you don't have to, and a toothbrush. No need to break for breakfast. You got the egg just rolling your way in the morning. <laughs> you won't be late. You can't say my alarm clock didn't work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Time for claims. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyways, you know, you know that the call center. Yes, it's hard to keep it staffed, as you as you just said, but. It's they're getting creative. So the call centers are getting creative. They're going overseas. And then we've got this. Maybe you could speak about this. I feel like I need to interview you. Like, what are they doing with AI in the call centers? How do you know? Can you speak to that? Because I'm kind of looking into how they're doing that for the dental offices. Mm, I mean, I know that there's different levels of it and they're certainly doing something with it. Um, Is it more? No, to control I, can't, the- I can't. I can't speak intelligently. 
to it. Um, you know, it's sort of one of the realms where once I left it, you know, I didn't want to look back because I fear turning into a pillar of salt. <laughs> well, I know in the dental industry, like our side of it, the provider side, you can use AI to improve the call, you know, pick out keywords and things like that. Yeah, so shout out guys- to Amal. What's up? Man. Yeah, he's right. the man with all Patient that prism. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm imagining they have the same thing on the insurance side, like how many people mention this and how many people mention that. So hopefully the calls get better, easier. I don't know. Well, I mean, so I can tell you that back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. So that, and that's what I mean. Like these folks are when I used to hire people, I would say, look, Teresa, how are you? Well, thank you for coming in. One of the first things I would say, I'd say, look, this is a dental insurance call center, right? So you have to have a genuine willingness to want to help people because nobody's going to call here and say, thank you so much for paying my claim on time. <laughs> or, hey, the, the you guys referred us to the endodontist over there in Howard Avenue and the root canal was exquisite. Thank you so <laughs> much. You are taking crap. All day long. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's, it's a turd sandwich after turd sandwich. And then if yeah. your talk time goes over three minutes and you're going to have a bozo like me standing right behind you going, what are you talking about over there? Get them off the phone. And so this is where you have two different. Um, you have two competing for- forces, right? Like I want to help you. But at the same time, you know, if my talk time goes up too high, then I can't I get my my chicken my, my, i can't get the two chicken bonus <laughs> i love that the two chicken bonus maybe that's the, the maybe i was calling the high performers that's what it was. <laughs> you probably uh, have your own line I, over there you know i, you know, I, I should I, have my own line right I, I don't ever call about the individual stuff i can so i just hear i hear the things but the reality is that the staffing issues in the in the workforce challenges that are facing this country and that are facing all of the dental practices and oral surgery practices and our listeners and you know the insurance companies listen to the show too um you know they that hasn't that has the same impact in fact i would argue that it's more significant material um in their world um you know i cannot get in a I can't get pizzas ordered to my house on a busy Saturday night when I have, you know, a house full of kids trying to burn the place down if I don't <laughs> feed them, you know? And so if I can't get a pizza, you know, when you're talking, uh, you, you want to get a clear answer on coordination of benefits from, from Jojo in the Philippines. Mm. He's, he's got a chicken, but he don't have two. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have that knowledge. You're right. He doesn't have that institutional knowledge. I'm, I'm just worried though, that you've got, um, untrained people on the provider side talking to semi to untrained people on the carrier side. <laughs> I mean, you've got like, you've just got a recipe for disaster there. And I've never been in a dental office that had a chicken in it. Yeah. Well, I think you need to get out more. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure John, there are some. That's what John Ray says. Like, <laughs> I need to go hang out with the livestock more, more there, brother. It's a um, support chicken. That's what we've got in there. <laughs> um, but I agree. So the, the, 
the insurance coordinators on the provider side don't really know as, as much about insurance as they, they might think that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the same challenge on the uh, corporate side or on the payer side, which are much your volume of calls are much larger. Uh, on top of that, you have your plan design. Plan design is not like Baskin Robbins, right? There are 32 flavors. There's quite literally tens of thousands of variations within the same organization because you can tweak plan designs any which way. And so all of it gets ruled by the employer group certificate of coverage. That's the one thing, dear listeners, that you can take away from this particular conversation is it doesn't really matter what they say to you on the phone. That's why it's always in writing. It says this does not guarantee payment. And then they say it on the whole thing by right next to the whatever music they're playing and the, how much they want to bring smiles to the universe crap. Anyway, it says with this is not guarantee payment. This uh, does not guarantee payment. And they say that all the time because there's so many variations and then they might have used the benefit so there's no way that that would guarantee payment um i have heard of some playing around or experimentation where certain carrier very large carrier too um was saying if we say it then we're going to back it up well that i liked now are they backing it up i don't know i need to see that and and it's not because i instinctively think all carriers are bad. I mean, you and I both work with carriers. So mm-hmm. we, we know there's good and there's bad. The fact that you could say, we will back that up. You can't promise that because you, you just can't, you can't promise that if you, because there's all these limitations that apply, right? Like the things that are in the certificate of coverage. So I, right. I, you can't, you're absolutely you can't. right. You can't I need buy to law. see it. I need to see it. Right. I, I, you know, and so that the proof is in the the insurance pudding, I guess. So, but the whole, the whole thing about the certificate of coverage, this is, you know, what's interesting is I feel like I've been teaching this for a while, but maybe I haven't been as clear. And only because this seems to be the new piece of knowledge is that the certificate of coverage is now very important to learn. And, and thinking back, maybe it wasn't that important before because they really didn't vary much from the full carrier standard. So for example, like if MetLife has a policy where, you know, all decaf coffee is covered. Okay. So like that's the MetLife standard policy and the provider processing manual on their website, whatever. Mm-hmm. If the certificate of coverage says, no, we're only going to cover decaf coffee from Brazil. Right. So that usually, that didn't happen as much. I don't think back in the day, I don't know if there was such a big variation. Now I see a lot of Here's what the carrier typically does, but here's what the certificate of coverage says. And sometimes they're very, very different. And I don't know if dental offices have the time to go chase down the certificate of coverage all the time. It's a good point. <clears throat> what um, I, I think for listeners, the employer, you know, most of your dental insurance, I've had to back everything that I've been talking about up a bit myself lately um clients have told me i don't know what you're talking about most of the yeah. time pat and i'm like do i slip into portuguese and been sentence and you know it's pretty much the same thing right if you don't know <laughs> yeah, i guess so um the but the, so employers are the ones that are you know dental insurance dental benefits is largely distributed through employers and employers are using dental benefits or dental insurance as a way to attract and retain talent, i.e. staff, employees. So, And so just the same for 
with everybody needs staff. Um, and so you're competing, especially now with labor. Now people love dental insurance for some crazy reason. And so they want to know how big the network is, but that employer may have a benefit consultant that likes decaf from Brazil. And that's how they want to build all their plans. And depending on how influential that benefit consultant is, that's how it'll be. Um, now, so the, the bad news is there's that many variations. Um, the good news is that in the ACA or PAPACA or Obamacare or whatever, you know, however you want to refer to it, uh, by law, now all of them need to provide a, a summary of benefits. And a summary of benefits is not the certificate, which is, you know, 15 to 30 pages. The summary is two. Now, why do they do that? The reason why is because they want Johnny Lunchbucket to understand how his dental, his or her dental plan works, right? And so this is available to all of the employees via, it's, sometimes it's directly on their website, sometimes the um, it's in their open enrollment packet. But to, to plead like beats me, I don't know, um, from the patient pool, I think it, there needs to be some education there. If it was my dental practice, now granted, I've never run a dental practice, so my opinion doesn't count very much on this, but I would just be like, look here, Joker, um, Mrs. Joker, Mr. Joker, uh, you, where's your summary benefits? Bring that in um, with you. Right? You can print it off, bring it in. You know, is that going to tell you about every single nook and cranny of the cert? No, but it's going to give you a pretty good idea. Well. Um, I've been training uh, team members to uh, go a little bit step further too, where if they're talking to a new patient, I'll have them on the phone. They'll say, <clears throat> do you remember if there was a lot of documentation around your dental plan in your employee portal? Cause they all have some employee portal or package. And then mm -hmm. I say to them, have, you know what, just send me everything. There's probably something that's going to be like 15 or 20 pages. I need that. And then I'll keep it in your chart. So in case we need to reference it and that, that'll tell me what I need to know about your plan. And so I'm, I'm getting them to ask for that now. Whereas before we just wanted group number ID number, and then we would check benefits online. Well, that's not enough anymore because of the different plan designs. And I understand insurance carriers don't want us to call a lot to, you know, because we we're expensive when we call we're expensive, mm -hmm. but but if the plan designs weren't so absolutely wacky, we wouldn't be calling as much. And that's really, so I don't know, there's chick, that's the, I feel like there's a chicken theme here, but there's a chicken and the egg thing going on there. <laughs> Patrick just is trying to come up with a chicken joke. I could see it. <laughs> I am. I bet John Ray's got some good livestock jokes, but we can't talk. So. <laughs> I'd also, uh, I'm harking back to my days and I feel like I'm playing devil's advocate a lot here, but um, that's what I did for years is sell large and jumbo group benefits. And mm -hmm. I could sell, I could go two years and not sell the same plan, you know, because I would tweak it because I have to win. And these are large sales cycles. So you're always adding something or maybe you're taking something away to get the premium down because, you know, it's a balance between the benefits and the premium. And so you have to understand how your own actuaries have it priced. I'm probably getting way too dorky here, but that was kind of my specialty was that I don't show up with just the vanilla and the chocolate. 
that's what I would say. Like I, I can customize this and I'm going to look at the, that employer group. What do you need? What do you not need? Et cetera. And that's not going to fit every single employee in that employer group. And what we're trying to do is, is cover most bases um, and keep it within the budget of, of said employer, you know, because medical costs are still going through the roof. And so, yeah, they want to add dental. Yeah. The, you know, it's not the most expensive thing. It's, but it's, it's the nice shiny object that folks want. The medical costs are killing everybody, you know, small yeah. businesses included. I'll raise my hand. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, and I was doing this 10 years ago, more than, you know, and so it's, there's new, um, it's just progressively, you know, and then if you're taking over a plan from an employer group and Pat sold something to, you know, that hospital system back in, you know, 2000, 2010, um, you can't take it away, right? If I had put, you know, um, let's say I wanted, I would do, I, instead of downgrading to amalgams on, on your posterior teeth, I would say, all right, no, we'll pay for that. You know, and so I'd add that in. So when you're, we, the pricing mechanism for it was very low. And so that would be something, some sizzle that I could talk about in the boardroom, you know, when I'm trying to beat out the uh, other carriers um and this is a this is a very big game you know it's a you know i call it it's like it's shark tank i did it in atlanta georgia which is a straw that stirs a drink in the southeast mm. um it's very very competitive and is, is it fair to say if you added in a benefit like composite on molars that that would be covered is there a benefit that has to be taken away in order to make the premium work like is that fair to so, say Sometimes it's, there's, there's really, it, it depends on the t- the group type. So the employer type, you know, but I'll tell you this, good luck taking it away, you know? And so it just depends on the benefit, but sure. So if I put that in there, um, you know, could I cost shift by moving like oral surgery from basic to uh, major? Sure. And then still have the extractions and uh, basic. I didn't personally like doing that a lot because it's too confusing. And so you always have to think about your open enrollment meetings where, um, you know, and I've done hundreds, if not a thousand, right? Open enrollment meetings. I, should, uh, I like to do it myself. And so it's, you get done explaining the, the medical benefit, right? You're going over the pharmacy, that mm. how this is how maternity works and your HRA and your HSA and everybody's eyes are glazed over in the big cafeteria. And they're like, oh, it's not a $5 copay anymore. And they're all torches <laughs> and pitchforks and stuff. And you're like, and then you get to the dental. The only thing I wanted Johnny Lunch Bucket to know in the end was like, you better go to a participating provider. Um, and so that's how the, what I would preach. Um, but you don't have a lot of time to explain it and not that they, you know, they're kind of on overload anyway. And so it's not the most kind of going back to the thing. It's not the most fun topic in the world, but people tend to want it. And then they also hear what they want to hear. Uh, I feel like, and so all sides need to take some responsibility. And I feel like it's a bit unfair to put the, the provider practice at the time of service and make them the oracle of of all things insurance is a bit unfair um it's a very large administrative burden and you're putting a lot of pressure on folks that do not have an insurance license and don't have a history you know in the insurance world um and the scars to prove it right and really they shouldn't be because it's not 
That's not, it's too hard of a job for somebody at the admin level, you know, checking people in and out. That's too hard of a job. Not saying they can't do it if they, they absolutely could do it, but you need the training in order to do that. I mean, it's, it's been hard to keep up with all of the changes and you and I do this for a living. So mm-hmm. I can't imagine having to worry about marketing the practice, filling the schedule, reactivation treatment plans all along that. You said something interesting about extractions, which is a good example of how these plan designs, what ends up happening is it frustrates offices more than anything. So for example, I'm seeing a lot of simple extractions being paid at the basic, but the surgical extraction is thrown into the medical or not medical D well, medical sonics, but, but the major. Mm-hmm. So within every software system, they, all the 7,000 codes are usually at one category. And if you have a breakout like that, that means that person, first of all, has to catch it, that there's a difference. Then that person has to go in and create an exemption or create a rule in the category percentage table in the software, which may or may not happen depending on workload, busyness, patient calling, patient walking up front, all that kind of stuff. And then you know, you have something else too, like the evaluations now a lot of times are being subject to deductible. I'm, I saw a 171, um, which is your follow-up reeval appointment, covered at 80%. That's all the other ones were covered at 100%, all the other evals at 100%. But you have to catch that in order to then convey that to the patient or to put it in the software. All these little exemptions, all these little non-standard deviations are what's causing a huge administrative burden for today's insurance coordinators. It's it's really tough. And I train a lot of people. And what I hear from dentists, unfortunately, is about three months later, four months later, I'll get a call and say, yeah, she uh, she said it was too much work. She said it was too difficult. And I was like, yeah, I, I totally see where she gets that. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure you hear the same thing. Like, it says, this job is really hard. Why does it have to be this difficult? I hear that a lot. Why does it have to be this difficult? I mean, sometimes I question my own sanity. <laughs> well, yes, but, you know, <laughs> as it pertains to insurance. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> People, you should know Patrick and I have this long converse, long time friendship where we just bust each other all the time. It's fun, though. We have mutual respect and mutual uh sarcasm <laughs> yeah and I, uh, I mean i tell people all the time i'm like if i don't make fun of you it's it i don't really respect you that much or i don't think you can take it you that's, know that's the indicator get <laughs> fold up like a wet napkin that's what i think um and that's why i mess with john rake because he is a man of steel <laughs> the silent man of steel <laughs> well yeah he's just silent so he can't do anything while i'm talking crap but, you know the truth is i love john ray you know and so it's just kind of this caricature i've made up in my head but yeah it's uh you know i i talk a little bit of smack i'm irish um and so i feel i also feel like just you know we'll go back to the fun top of insurance that mm-hmm. you're not allowed to make fun of other people if you can't take it too you know For so sure. I, sure. I've never been accused of being um, ultra sensitive. <laughs> what a wuss. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, it doesn't bother me. You know? well, but I'll tell you, going back to the um, the whole thing with hiring, because I think this is a hot topic and I, I'm glad we're talking about it. I think the expectations for the today's insurance coordinator are unreasonably high, especially in a small office, maybe two, three providers. I think that expectation is really high. 
And I think the, one of the biggest issues that has compounded it, not just plan design, but this whole ERA, EFT, um, online payments, all of that, that has become its own job. I talked to a lot of coordinators that are like, you know what, entering in payments is like a full-time job by itself. Like I, I do that all day. And I'm still expected to file all the claims, make all the appeals, all that kind of stuff. So I think there's a real issue with doctors not realizing when the insurance coordinator position needs to expand to maybe one and a half people to two people. And there's burnout as a result of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's certainly real. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've known it's an, it's a challenge and much like the call center, let's, let's just flip it around. So where do you doing all day you're sitting on the phone you're taking crap from people you're not going to talk to the insurance coordinator unless something's wrong mm-hmm. right or you know so your your money's messed up or it's usually so you mess with somebody's money it's you know not a friendly conversation and they think that you're you know been trained i mean at least the folks in the insurance world in our world i still say us and we so think you're what i still claim y'all i do <laughs> we're all one big happy family Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> hold hands, family reunions. Yeah, I got you. Oh, yeah, that's what we do all the time. We'll see you in St. Louis, baby. <laughs> um, and uh, we're we'll, we'll about St. Louis. <laughs> Just for people listening, like St. Louis is where the National Association of Dental Plans meeting is going to be, which is where we're gonna we're gonna get together and and have some um, decaf Brazilian coffee. No, not really, because I I don't drink decaf. But you know, and we're gonna make s'mores. S'mores. I need chicken. I think we may need that. S'mores and chicken do not mix. All right. We've gone totally off the rails. Bring us back that. All right. So <laughs> what we were talking about is that the folks, whenever you're at an insurance company, you're going through at least a month of onboarding. Right. And so why do, here's my question to you. Why do, where do these insurance coordinators come from? Whether they just wake up one day and say, you know what? I'd like to be an insurance coordinator for Dr. Smith over there, or they just need one. So I need a job. And that sounds like, okay, because, you know, the, Hey, the, the latter. I mean, if somebody wakes up and says, I want to be an insurance coordinator, you pay them whatever they want because that person's going to be awesome. Right, but, love it. but typically it's, I want to go into dentistry. This looks good. Okay. Insurance can't be that hard. Oh boy. And, mm-hmm. you know, so don't want to be an assistant, don't like blood, don't like all that. So let me do admin, can't be a manager, don't have enough years. Receptionist, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, I, I filed a couple claims. Yeah, I can be an insurance coordinator. And and to be fair, some of them take off like rockets and they're awesome. Um, but for the most part, if you don't have working knowledge of tooth numbers, of what a certificate of coverage is, what a maximum is, a deductible, then you're going to learn on the job and on the job training is typically not a good thing in dentistry. I mean, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that like, you don't want your doctor learning how to do dentistry on the job. That's just not something you want. I don't think the doctors for the doctor owners who are listening, I don't think that you guys and ladies, ladies and gentlemen understand how hard the position is. I also don't think that there's a very good way for for the owners to identify whether that insurance coordinator knows what they're talking about or not. Right. Cause they don't, they don't want to talk about it. And so they're I, like, I've been doing this for 10 years. And I like, do have something for you though. I, okay. I will, I'll send it to you. And if the, uh, the wonderful John Ray could put it as a download or something on the site, it's, it's basically what questions to ask your insurance coordinator 
if you when you're interviewing to so that you can tell whether or not they're BSing. So oh, yeah, well, yeah. Why don't so. you give me one or two? So I want them to um, explain what a deductible is and how to calculate it. And quite frankly, if you can't do it without the computer, then what are you doing? Like, honestly, you shouldn't know how to calculate it. Um, can you explain the strength? I just take of- off my shoes. <laughs> so he uses abacus. My toes. Count your toes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you, what is the, what is the most um, unique plan design you've run into? Then I will ask them what insurance company takes up most of your time. And then there's a couple other questions too, but basically. This is, yeah. Like, well, yeah, I don't want to, we'll no, give it for the download. Seriously. This is like, good stuff. See, that's the thing is that like, I, I'm, I cannot, if I hear one more person tell me I've been doing insurance for 20 years, I know what I'm doing. Okay, great. So have I, but how much CE have you taken? I don't need to take, I've been doing this for 20 years. Well, honestly, like, I don't want you in my office. You have to keep taking classes. It changes so much. You can't, this is not something where it's like a set it and forget it. You get one training every 10 years. It's not like that. Um, yeah, I have something that I say. I'm pretty direct in case it's not obvious to our listeners. Um, I'm not sure how I can get more direct, but I keep finding ways. Um, and so if I had a dollar for every time I heard, I've been doing this for 20 years. I just, Mm -hmm. I immediately, I'm like, really? I've been driving a car for 20 years too. Doesn't mean I can pull the transmission out and put it back in successfully. You know, do you have an insurance license? No. Are you certified in dental benefits underwriting? You ever been to Teresa's training? No. Teresa who? Fired. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. Teresa who? I don't even know what to say. I, I, the Teresa? Odyssey no. Management? What do you, you think know, I'm talking about Mother Teresa? The reason why I say Teresa who is because like there's only like four or five of us out there teaching insurance. And so if you've researched insurance classes, then you've at least seen my name, you know, some other Colleen's name, you, if -hmm. you haven't seen if Teresa doesn't stick out, then you haven't looked at anything. I I couldn't agree with you more. There's a handful of folks. Um, and no, I won't. Uh, -uh. I mean, (laughs) I, there's, I've done it. Uh, I could do it. It's just, you don't want to do it. I don't, you don't want to do it. It bores me. Um, and I'm just at an age where I like to do things. That's why I think I do the show. I get to say whatever I want. It's a creative outlet for me because most of the time I'm dancing around with folks who don't want to dance. Um, So there's the insurance coordinators are understandably upset. And I will say, because I know the carriers listen. Mm -hmm. All right. They do onboard their folks. They do go through this program. They always have the corporate thing where it's kind of slows down, but they, at least they do the training. And I will say, and to some to a much better degree than others, they are able to put together policies and procedures and on their online portals. And they try to make it as easy because they're interested. They don't want the calls either. And so there's a lot of educational material. Now, is it a you know, is it the most thrilling training material ever? No, but there's a lot of resources that they put out that nobody ever use, or maybe that aren't being utilized. Oh, um, yeah. So just to be fair, right, to, to everybody on each side, if you want to be able to exhaust, you know, they put the PPO reference guide on there. Of course, it says, well, this could happen, right, blah, 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 but, you know, 
Is that, are, is that helpful it, at all? Do you feel like any of those are helpful? Yeah, I do. And I agree with you. They're totally underutilized. So, I mean, honestly, the fact that they do onboarding is fantastic because dental offices have traditionally not been good at onboarding in many offices. Onboarding, small, small businesses as a whole. Not even a concept is on in some of the small businesses. It's basically like throw right, throw you right in there. That's what I do to my staff. Well, <laughs> Terrible, terrible. I and but you know, as a as a manager, going back to my days, um, as a manager, I didn't want any of my new employees touching a patient, talking to a patient for the first little bit because oh, you weren't were, supposed to touch them. Well, you know, right? I'm not going there in today's cancel culture. I ain't going there. So. <laughs> Not going there. So All right. as Chicken far joke next. as nope. <laughs> so as far as as it goes, I just I used to say I don't expect any new employee to be to make. You're not going to make anything off of that employee. There's going to be no ROI for the first month, two months, three months because you know that's the onboarding process. It may cost you money. They may throw away something that's expensive. I mean, there's things that happen. So I actually respect that the insurance companies make their people go through that, but that's because they have a corporate structure, right? We don't have that. Now, the whole thing about the portals, I'm always frustrated when I say, do you have your your online username password set up for the portals? And and do you ever send messages like the Delta portal to check claims, the national portal to check claims and, and status? That's fantastic. I can find almost everything I need on that portal. I mean, I can look up. Well, anything. it should be. They have lots of money to invest in that you type know. of resource and they only do dental. So you think they'd be good at it. I think uh, you were really good at it. All of my friends over there <laughs> do really good. But I'll tell you the fact that they don't sign up for the dental newsletters. They don't sign up for webinars. I think it's a, I think it's a waste. I really do. And the ones who do, I can always, t- they're the ones who are doing a good job. I mean, they're the fellow insurance geeks. But I think that also means that the, that the people who are attracted to being dental insurance people, I think in the future, it, you know, you will get people that are attracted to it. People that are very detailed, like I am, or enjoy the whole puzzle aspect of it, right? I just, mm. like, like, for example, people who work in insurance, actuaries, you, this is you're specifically driven, right? Like you have specific talents. Um, and I think we're going to attract well, more you. and more people like that. <laughs> I think we're going to attract more and more people like that as awareness grows, you know, of, of the job opportunities. But right is now, is it going to be stands, respected by the people that are paying, that are paying the wages though? You, you know, know, that's always, it's, it's a tough subject. It's a really tough subject because I, you know, I've been on both sides, but I also understand that there are market forces at work that I don't think the um, the solo office, the small office can avoid anymore. And that's the the competitiveness for talent. You know, the, the DSOs, the larger ones can attract talent, you know, their, their problem. Most of them have figured it out to attract the talent. I think now they struggle with keeping the talent, you know, and, but that's to be fair, we're all struggling with keeping the talent. So, I mean, because right now we're not competing against other offices. We're competing with staying at home and being with your family or working a less stressed job from home or working a less stressed job in general. That's what we're competing with. We're not competing with the doctor down the street. So will doctors raise salary levels to be competitive? I think even if they do, there's still going to be a pretty decent size portion of the workforce that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And and 
maybe I'm a cynic about this, but I've been to so many classes where they say, if you just treat your, your employees right, if you just respect them, if you just show them appreciation all of the time, you know, make it a great place to work, no one's going to ever quit. But the reality is, it's, a, it's nice, but it's not going to compel them to stay with you. You know, I just don't know if we have that um, one job for 10 year workforce thing going on anymore. Um, I, I'll have to agree with you. And as much as I'd like to think that Nick, you know, our team, they don't, data analysts don't grow on trees. You know, our, our onboarding process is you're not allowed to talk to Patrick for a year. <laughs> True That's story. Actually- that's a fantastic wow. policy. I think some doctors are like, why don't I do that? <laughs> well, it's, you know, uh, shout out to Nikki. She's like, you know, she's like, Pat, they don't know what you're talking about. And you, you just keep going. Like, you, don't, <laughs> you just don't, you think everybody knows. And I, and I do like, this is all like you and me talking is refreshing. I'm like, Oh, she's understanding everything that I'm saying. Um, <laughs> well, I'll stop you because you know, I can't fake it like that. Right. <laughs> I get in trouble when I'm out there saying stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Right. No, I'm kidding. I don't do that. People, right. Well, I, do I that. think that you're respected <laughs> everywhere on, on all sides of the ball. It's a little bit of a balancing act, I think for us, mm-hmm. um, we, you know, with the wolves on each side, there's the torch and pitchfork crowd on both sides. Um, and I would say to the torch and pitchfork folks on both sides that you're not taking enough time. You're just like the folks that aren't looking at the resources, Mm -hmm. um, or the provider directory. Like what we're trying to do here is educate. And that's kind of the purpose of the show. But I also think like the overall mission of Odyssey and PQ, um, certainly the way I see it. Um, there's one thing I, you know, I, before you go and we wrap this up, there's, you know, a trend i've noticed a trend now i'm not all over right um you know the facebook groups and all the blah 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 but i've seen enough because every time i go on there i feel like i lose three hours of my life i do like <laughs> the videos on instagram because i can just put the camera up and then i just say 30 seconds worth of whatever i gotta say and then that's that um that's uh, pat underscore j underscore o'rourke it's o-r-o-u-r-k-e um but whether it's online or whether it's I've done a lot of speaking engagements recently too. And also just my own clients. They're like, well, wait, you know, we should just go fee for service only. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, if you're just going to rip the bandaid, right. You know, are you making an emotional decision or you thought this through? Um, Because if you think that my job is to convince you, to to discount right you're wrong it's quite the opposite actually um i don't think that there's a one-size-fits-all solution i really don't i think every practice is different i think every region is different and i also think that there's a lot of economic uncertainties so my background is risk management right and i'm a small business owner too so some of that stuff worries me um i know that you're actually probably a bit more plugged in than than me on some of that stuff, or at least you're hearing it from different angles. What's your take on this quasi, uh, you know, I'm dropping everything going out of network. Well, usually when somebody makes that comment, it is, it is emotional. And uh, to me, that's always been the worst way to make a decision on, on anything really. So the, the fact that they want to go out of network, I, I want to know why, uh, 
And that will tell you, I hate them. That's what they'll say. I hate these insurance companies. Well, okay, hold on a second. What do you hate about them? And when you drill down, is it the fact that you're writing off fees? Is it the fact that your admin people are complaining to you 24-7? Is it the fact that you're giving away stuff? What is the reason? All of the above. Right. So it's, but what I want them to do is really think about the decision. And then I say to them a couple things, because I don't, I don't, you know what? I, it's not that I don't care. But I'm pretty agnostic about it. If you want to stay in network, here's how you make it work. If you want to go out of network, here's how you make it work. It it doesn't really matter to me. I can just help you in either way, right? Mm. Same with you. Same with you. I'm neutral. But one of the the questions that I'm going to ask you, if you tell me you want to get out of network, get out of all networks, is what are your biggest employers? And 99.9% of the time, they don't know. They don't know. And that's like one of the first things you need to look at Mm -hmm. is where are all your patients coming from? What is your biggest carrier? Oh, we have a lot of MetLife. Okay. Do you have a lot of MetLife because you're dealing a lot with MetLife? Do you actually, or is Anthem your biggest one, but they're quiet and you know, you don't get as many issues with, do you know what I mean? Like which one is your biggest employee carrier and which one is your most painful carrier? Those are two very different things. And mm-hmm. then I'll ask them, you know, if we even, if he, if they've got questions, I mean, sorry, if they've got answers to these, then I get to the last one, which is who is your biggest referrer? What, what are your top 10 referrers? So, and if that's all insurance companies, you're not in any position to get out of all networks because you have no one sending you business other than the carriers. So, and then let me back up a second. When I ask them who their biggest referrers are, Many of the time, they don't know because they don't track that, which that to me is like when I was a manager, that was like the biggest pet peeve of mine because I'm spending all this money on marketing for my doctor and I need to track it. So if you can't be bothered to ask them how you found us, it's going to be a a rough day for a little bit. So uh, key takeaway right there, dear listeners. Um, Can you repeat that? Yeah. Tell me who sent a, who sent the patient so that I can know for sure whether or not my marketing dollars have had any impact. So the the whole thing about the the PPO contract, you know, I, I try not to get too like you, you know, too geeky about this stuff, but a contract means there's consideration on both sides. And consideration means one person, one side gives up something and gives something, the other side the same thing. In a PPO contract, what these doctors have to realize is what they're giving up is marketing their practice. They're giving that up, right? They're letting somebody else do it for them, and they're going to discount their fees for that. So their guarantee is to have a new flow of patients from the carrier. The carrier's promise is to send a bunch of patients. That's, that is really their one promise, so if your promise is to cut fees so that you can get patients and their promise is to send you patients, if you run that report and they're not sending you anybody, what are you doing? First of all, you shouldn't even be a network with them. But what about if they're sending you all of your patients? Can you cut that off and survive? So there's a lot. The referral report is like the dark horse. People don't think about that and, and they need to because if you if your top 10 referrers right now are all insurance companies. That means you probably haven't spent any money on marketing in the last little bit, if any. And, you know, if you ask your accountant, ask your accountant, how much did I spend on marketing? Oh, less than 1%. And 
I did a mailer back in 1998 and I only got one phone call. I'm never (laughs) using that postal service again. (laughs) We did gift baskets one year. Does that count? No, it doesn't count. So here's the thing. You're going to have to put money aside. should have handed out some chickens. (laughs) Listen, if I get a certificate for Popeye's. I'm coming to your office. Uh, see, we are. Love me some Popeyes. Oh, boy. <laughs> don't talk to me about anything else but Popeyes. Popeyes is you. the best. And if I you don't you. agree with me, then I'm sorry. You're a communist. <laughs> well, so let's talk about the fact that if you do any marketing, it's going to be brand new to you. It's going to be painful because it's going to be expensive when you used to not pay for it. And And in your mind, you're going to have to make that shift of, I wrote off this much. That was my marketing expense. So take off that much that you wrote, put that into marketing, and you're still going to lose money the first year. You are. You just, you are, you know. Uh, If you don't, that means you had things going really well. Congratulate yourself. But for the most part, you're going to lose a little money the first year because it's uncertain. But I'll tell you, you mentioned today's economic um, environment. Mm Mm-hmm. It's even more unsettling now. And I'm getting a little bit of buyer's remorse from some offices that, you know, I had calls with, you know, I do these, these one hour strategy calls and now I'm getting the the boomerang back of maybe I shouldn't have gone out of network. And the unfortunate part of that is, as you know, they can't go back in with the same fees often. So are they, did they let them come back in with the same fees? Are you seeing that at all? This is a very good question. And oh, one thing good. that I, I wanted to add to the, um, for all of our dear listeners out there and folks that are thinking about doing it. So let's say that you make an emotional knee-jerk re- decision and uh, you are out of network. Um, now you got to go back and say, you know what? Never mind. How they got you? They get all the leverage in the world. You have zero leverage, zip, none. Uh, and, you know, the, I still say we sometimes, uh, you know, the we, the insurance industry, I'll put that ad on, I'll claim it. I'm not scared. I'm not ashamed. We have a long memory, baby. Um, <laughs> so we know. And that's the whole premise of what's happening. Or, you know, what I do for a living is I have to go convince, you know, my colleagues on the other side of the ball and that they need my client more than my client needs them. All right. That's my job. That's what I do every day. And then for, the carriers and their teams, they have to decide whether that's true or not for them, right. not for me, not for my client even, right? It's They have their own metrics and they're going to come up and we're just the bridge that's trying to make everything equitable and fair. Um, I know not everybody sees it that way, but that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but it's, this is business. It really is. And so if you come and, you know, you slap the hand away and then you're like, well, you know what? We're just not doing this anymore. And you come back, you have zero leverage, none. All right. I get the phone call and I feel really bad because I won't, I won't take a client on. I'm like, there's like, you're, you're basically, you got to beg them that maybe they'll give you the same fee if you're lucky. All right. Call around happy hour when I'm on a Friday. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um <laughs> Early in the morning, find out when that rooster crows. First thing in the morning, get them when they're fresh. <laughs> right. I mean, but the, if that's there's a lot of them. And so there's certain larger ones that are taking advantage of that situation. I'm not going to mention any names. Um, but, I, you know, the I feel like it's gotten more bare knuckle 
with the whole provider versus payer community as a whole. Um, you know, it's never been, you know, super um, warm and fuzzy, but I just feel like I, I'm, everybody's more at odds with each other than ever before. Um, and I'm just I know, like, I got clowns that all left the main joker to the right. And here I am stuck mm-hmm. in the middle with you. Yep. Um, I'm just trying to get everybody to see things, you know, without all of the animosity, uh, but sending the claims to the, the sending checks to patients, advice, insurance, fraud. I don't feel like that hits your, your corporate code of ethics and conduct. I just didn't see it in your mission statement. <laughs> um, that's just one's man opinion. One man's opinion. If you don't like it, talk to our sponsor. <laughs> John Ray has thoughts on this. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, John Ray. Yeah. John Ray's just thinking about chicken. Yes, I John know. Ray. He's like, man, it's past lunch. I'm so All right. hungry. But also with so this, this is the deal though for, for, the dental offices that you you get off and all of a sudden you have empty chair time. Now you're going to panic. Yes. Now you're going to, man, yes. that's not good. And it's so we tried to help out a couple of them because I felt bad. Um, but it, I learned my lesson. Sometimes like there's not much I can do, you know? Um, and so, you know, be careful. I would say this too, you know, like plan it out, right? Mm-hmm. There's plenty of resources out there. Um, to help you do this, yes, uh, you know, and it, I feel like there's some instigators and in social media too, where they're like, Oh, you can just do it and blah, blah, blah. And a million dollars and everything's going to be just hunky dory. Yeah. Sometimes that they may, they, they might have an agenda. Are they trying to sell you something? All right. Raise your antenna, right? Number one, number two, um, just because even if it was some other dentist say, you don't know that you guys, I see it all the time where they, you know, they're, it's down here in the South, right? They're like, I'm totally fee for service only at the Hinman. I'm fee for service only. Well, I'm like, oh yeah, so, so you, I can pull your name up right now, right? Yeah. And boom, in the directory, right? <laughs> I don't want to burst your bubble there, Dr. Smith, but uh, yeah, you've been in our network for 10 years, buddy. Um, so there's, I think that there's a lot of posturing that happens um, in the virtual world. And so I would, you know, just business owner to business owner. I think that everybody needs to look at their own situation and come up and talk to their team and do a SWOT analysis. I've been talking to folks about this lately, like in corporate, sure. you know, like everybody knows what a SWOT analysis is, but in small businesses, not so much. So in dental practices, they don't. So SWOT analysis for all of you listening is what are my strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, mm-hmm. right? You need to sit down with your team and do at least a half day, probably a full day of planning and say, all right, well, what do we do? What do we do? Well, what do we need to improve on, et cetera. Um, and so the, insurance world um much like what they say about the weather here in georgia uh, it's always changing (laughs) it is changing yep so we're standing in that what is that that analogy where you're standing in the river river doesn't change but the water changes right the water keeps flowing oh stoic yes stoic philosophy yes that's what my parents paid lots of money for me to go to college so i can remember river analogies river analogies that's very it's a very good one though i can't remember who wrote it was it uh, i have no idea probably some greek dude (laughs) probably right but you know i would caution the folks out there that are you know torch and pitchfork and get all sanculots on us sanculate 
French Revolution. Look it up. Yeah, don't don't do the don't do the emotional reaction thing. I mean, you have to be smart. You're a business owner now. You owe it to yourself and your employees to make a good rational decision. All right. And then for all of our friends over the insurance industry, you know, there's always two sides of the boardroom the way I look at it. And I know I've been there. We have one side where we're trying to be really aggressive. We're trying to keep up with the Joneses, maybe the ones that aren't being as as nice as we are. And uh, we have to get our stock price up and we have to do X and Y and Z. And we have to do that because we have to reduce our cost of care. And we're going to press that gas pedal all the way down. We're very aggressive. And then on the other side of the room, we have our more, you know, reasonable people. Mm. And those reasonable people are like, hey, wait a minute. Don't we need a network, guys, in order to uh, have a product, right? We do need some docs. We need some dentists in order to have have an actual product. Uh, <laughs> And oh, you know, that's a whole different topic, right? Network well, building, all that. Uh, well, oh. yeah, chicken and egg. You want to talk mm-hmm. about chicken and egg while we're mm-hmm. on the subject? That's a whole nother show. But <laughs> then, so right now, I feel like in certain boardrooms across the country, not all of them, but some of them, and I, you know who you are, but the aggressive ones probably aren't listening to the show. But that's <laughs> okay. Eventually, you're going to push it too far, and then the reasonable side will take over, hopefully. Hopefully. You know, this is. You know, where that's my hope. Yep. Um, John Ray is saying that we are out of time. Yeah. This is awesome. I do this all day. I know. It's fun, right? John uh, Ray's harsh in our, our glow here. What the heck? I know. He's like, he's in, <laughs> so John Ray. He's like, I'm going to Popeye's later. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can, can we get the method sponsored? That'd be cool. <laughs> Well, thanks for having me back on. I mean, I always enjoy talking with you. So I'm looking forward to seeing you in St. Louis soon. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there as well. I'll actually bring a microphone. I did a uh, remote session um, at the Georgia Society of Oral and Maxillofacial Surgeons with uh, the OMAS Foundation. Wow. Um, Just uh, not not a week ago. All the days are running together. Nice. Um, Yeah. So we maybe, maybe we'll just do some live takes. Um, because this is a media outlet after all. I mean, we need to do some reporting. You want to be a co-reporter with me? Sure. All I right. like journalism. All right. Game on. Yeah. Especially now that I know that, you know, some river analogies. Yeah. I know some stuff. All right. <laughs> Rock on. All right. Well, if, if folks are trying to reach you because you're the only one of the handful of dental insurance training, but somebody who I have a deep and profound <laughs> respect for. Not just because you're the only chicken shop in town. <laughs> but if folks that want the, if folks are trying to find Odyssey management, how do they do that? So Odyssey MGMT is my website and lots of webinars on there. I have two podcasts. Nobody told me that. And also chew on this. Those are uh, they were on hiatus for earlier this year, but now we're back with new episodes. And I uh, have a book. You can find that on my website called Moving Your Patients to Yes, Easy Insurance Conversations. I speak at a few shows a year, actually a lot of shows a year. <laughs> so I'm usually on the road and you can check my events calendar and see if I'm coming uh, to a place near you. Gotcha. Well, Teresa Duncan, as always, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'd like to thank our sponsor. That would be me. 
Um, and I'd also like to thank the Reverend MC John Ray, as always, and everybody, the Business Radio X family for producing this show. Um, and I would also like to thank you, dear listener, for um, your time. If you want to find me, you can hit me up at patrickorourke.me and uh, Instagram, pat underscore j underscore o'rourke. Um, thank you very much for your time. Until next time.